This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Tonight it was. Uh, good afternoon, folks. Welcome aboard Afternoons on News Talk 770 on this day after history was made. It was a monster audience last night. Some 40 million people in the U.S. watched that Game 7 last night. The biggest ratings since the World Series Game 7 back in 1991. And I'm sure the numbers were huge in Canada as well. Even though the Toronto Blue Jays uh, didn't make it to the, the World Series, it was easy to get caught up in the emotion of it all. Back then again, two cities that people have a, a soft spot in their heart for. Uh, although Cleveland kind of got their history a little earlier this year when the Cavaliers won the NBA championship. And I guess folks in that city now know the, the misery of blowing a 3-1 lead in the finals after experiencing the sheer joy of coming back from a 3-1 deficit in a series finals. But it was the Chicago Cubs who did it last night, who came back from 3-1 down, who almost blew it a few times last night. Holy cow, what a crazy game it was. Uh, went to extra innings uh, after the rain uh, made a brief appearance. And uh, there it was in the 10th inning. Uh, the Cubs uh, held off what seemed like it might be another Cleveland comeback to win their first World Series since 1908. That's a long time ago, isn't it? So there's, I think for a lot of people who've been Cubs fans... And I, I seem to know a lot of people. I didn't realize we're longtime Cubs fans. There's always been something kind of romantic about the team. And just that, that a franchise could go that long without success, right? And uh, it was the curse, the, the Billy Goat curse, as they called it. That was, uh, that was the problem. Of course, you know, you have the story back, uh, what, 15 years ago, or maybe less than that, I guess, now, uh, with Steve Bartman. And it was just proof that this, this team was cursed, that it would never happen. And so here it was last night. So it was certainly a, a feel-good moment for Cubs fans and for people who were sentimental bandwagon jumpers, I think, like, like most of us watching that, that game last night. People who maybe don't even follow baseball all that closely were watching last night, not just watching, but on the edge of their seat. So what is it about this team? Anyway, we're going to get into that off the top today. we got some other stuff we're going to get to today, but we're going to talk some baseball off the top. Uh, pleased to be joined on the line here this afternoon by Glenn Stout. Uh, he's the author of The Cubs, The Complete Story of Chicago Cubs Baseball, as well as other books. He's also a series editor, the best American sports writing. Glenn, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Uh, you wrote uh, your book about the Cubs, I think about uh, seven or eight years ago, if I'm not mistaken, uh, something along those lines. When, when you were writing at the time, did you think that, uh, you know, that this team would ever, would ever pull it off? <laughs> well, you, you know that eventually they will, but uh, you're not in the prediction business, so you're not sure when. So, you know, what you try to do in a book like that is to try to identify, you know, why the Cubs didn't win for so long and perhaps give a few, uh, a little bit of insight into what they might need to do to eventually win. And, um, you know, sure enough, uh, you know, about 10 years after the book came out, they, uh, they finally did it. Yeah, they did. And it was quite something the way they did it last night. Uh, you know, there were multiple moments, I think, last night where people must have thought, wow, maybe this team really is cursed. Are they really going to let this uh, slip out of their fingers? It, was, it must have been quite a, a, a roller coaster for, for diehard Cubbies fans last night. Oh, I think it was because, uh, you know, they, it's institutionalized almost that they expect the Cubs to fail. 
And after the Cubs, you know, got out to that big lead and then lost it, I think a lot of Cub fans were going, oh, no, here it comes again. And, you know, if you were watching the TV broadcast, you saw the cameras going in on shell-shocked faces and people on the verge of tears and everything. And you really started to think that, well, you know, baseball's got one more up its sleeve and they're going to make it a little bit harder for them. And they did make it harder for them. But to the Cubs' credit, uh, you know, they were able to hang in there and, um, you know, be able to shake that stuff off. I think sometimes uh, that's helpful, having a young club like the, like the Cubs. They're not quite as fettered by the past as maybe a more veteran club would be. Yeah, and I mean, look, they, they were a dominant team this year, probably the best team in baseball, so they're not quite the lovable losers anymore, but um, they, they really have been, or certainly had been for a long time, right? To make the World Series in 1945, that was a long time ago, too, and it just seemed like for so long, they were just, they were not even close. They were a bad team. Right, they were a bad team, and, and there were reasons for that. I mean, for the longest time, uh, winning really wasn't a priority for the club owners. Philip Wrigley and his family owned the team for years and years and years. And under Wrigley, you know, they, they enjoyed it when the clubs did well, when the club did well, but it wasn't anything they really went out of their way to make happen. You know, they had Wrigley Field. It was a nice, pleasant experience. People liked the Cubs. They liked going out to Wrigley Field. And they seemed to come out whether the Cubs really won or not. So for a long time, I think management of the team just didn't feel the incentive that they, that they had to win. They liked it when they won, but they didn't have to win. You know, and for a lot of pro sports teams, regardless of sport, if you're bad, if you're bad for a long time, people are going to start to lose interest. People are going to stop caring about the team. But it seems as though the, the Cubs have always had, you know, that, that diehard fan base. So what, what, how do you explain the connection between the team and the fans? Well, I think some of it actually stems from the fact that they didn't win, which means that those fans that stick with you really do care. Uh, I think that was the same thing that was going on with the Boston Red Sox for so many years. And then like the Red Sox, too, the Cubs had a great facility, Wrigley Field, which was almost more important than the team itself. Uh, you, did, you know, you didn't talk about uh, going to see the Cubs play. You said you were going to go to Wrigley. And that experience just by itself uh, you know, justified some continuing interest. And even more importantly, you know, you kept the stands full, which meant the team was still making money. And fans were pretty patient because, you know, they still enjoyed going to Wrigley Field. And that gave, you know, the current management structure of the team, that gave them some years to play with because they didn't have to worry year to year about if they were going to fill up the ballpark. They were going to fill up the ballpark anyway. So that gave them the luxury of kind of putting together a plan, sticking with it. You know, they were allowed to finish in fifth place five years in a row. They didn't have to, you know, make silly trades and just try to go up one place in the standings uh, from, from year to year. They were able to be patient. They were able to enact a plan. And this is the year that it finally all came together. It almost came together. Well, I guess it was 2003. The Cubs had a pretty good team that year. They were on the verge of, of making it to the World Series. Uh, and then, of course, uh, a fellow by the name of uh, Steve Bartman uh, in, inserted his name into to baseball history. And it's funny, last night you see all, all this stuff on, on Twitter and Facebook about, you know, come back, Steve, all is forgiven. Um, it's just, you know, it, it plays into the mythology of this club that you could have something like that uh, in an incident 
that, that would have a lasting impact. We're here today in 2016. People know who Steve Bartman is still. It's, it's bizarre. <laughs> right. Well, Steve Bartman's lucky that there wasn't Twitter back in 2003. Oh, my goodness. You know? <laughs> I, I think he fared much better on Twitter in 2016 than he would have, uh, you know, uh, when he, you know, famously reached out and tried to catch that foul ball. But I think most Cub fans and most baseball fans, even then they realized that, that he was something of a scapegoat, that that was a little bit of a, of a, of a theory that, the, that was more in the press than in reality. Yes, Steve Bartman, you know, reached out and tried to catch a ball he shouldn't, but the Cubs that year made a series of mistakes in the late part of that game. That's what cost them. It wasn't Steve Bartman. It was a series of errors that made what Steve Bartman did stand out, but uh, it certainly wasn't Bartman's fault alone. So I think a lot of people feel really good uh, about Steve Bartman today. Yeah, hopefully we, we see him. I don't know if he's going to be walking in the parade or anything, but it'd be nice to see him uh, emerge from hiding and be able to put all of this behind him, right? Yeah, it would be, you know, because he, uh, he took a lot of grief and, you know, it affected his personal life and his private life. And you don't like to see somebody picked out like that and, and blamed unfairly for what really, if you're, if you're being a serious historian about it, was really the failures of a larger organization for years and years and years. It was unfair for Steve Bartman to take the brunt of the blame for that. Uh, going back much further, of course, there was the the Billy Goat curse, which, um, you know, people, maybe just kind of casual fans watching the game last night must have been mystified by all the references to to, to Billy Goat. What the heck is all that? <laughs> but, but tell us a bit about that story, because I think, uh, you know, it's it's changed a lot over time, and there's a lot of mythology around it. What, what is the, the actual story there? Sure. Well, there was a, there was a fellow named, uh, named Billy Cianis, and he owned a tavern in Chicago, and he became famous for... Um, having a goat in the tavern, which became quite a draw, which actually made his tavern a financial success. And, you know, at one point, Cianis brought the, uh, the billy goat uh, to the ballpark. Uh, you know, and, and after, the, Reds, after the, the Cubs lost the World Series that year, everybody said, oh, it was because they threw out Billy Cianis and his goat. Well, that's not quite true. I mean, Billy Cianis knew what he was doing. He knew that by bringing the goat to the ballpark, he was going to get his name in the paper. He was going to get the name of his tavern in the paper, and he was going to make out like a bandit. But uh, but it made a nice story, and it worked for the organization because by saying there was a curse of the Billy Goat meant that they really didn't have to deal with their own failures. So, you know, it kind of worked for everyone at the time for a while, and it made a nice story and, um, you know, was something that people could talk about. And if you've ever been to Chicago, you can now go to the to the answer to the descendant of the original tavern, the Billy Goat Tavern in Chicago, which is almost uh, a stop as mandatory as Wrigley Field is. You know, and it was funny last night. You said, I mean, to to see um, Bill Murray in the stands and the, and the joy on his face. I think it personified just the sense of relief and joy that that Cubs fans all, all over the place were, were feeling last night. Uh, and I'm sure that they'll relish that forever. But do you think the team now going forward that they're now they're a winner? Does the team lose some of the romanticism? Do you think? Well, they do lose it to a degree. I mean, expectations are now that coming close isn't going to be good enough. Um, you know, there's not going to be the patience in the future that there has been in the past, or at least the recent past, for the Cubs to, to get good. Now winning is going to be an expectation, and that's a little bit different situation for them to be in. You know, if uh, you know everybody was uh, kind of 
just waiting and waiting and waiting. And well, now now that they're there, they want to stay there, and that makes things a little bit different. So, you know, from here on in, they're not going to be patient if the Cubs get out of the gate next year and don't get off to a good start. Uh, people are not going to be saying, oh, well, let's stick to the plan. We have to be patient. It'll be, no, let's get rid of the bum. Let's make a trade. Let's bring someone in. And it'll be a test of, of Cubs management to see if they can still stick to their guns and continue to do things in the same way that actually got them here. Right. Well, Glenn, we'll leave it there. I'll let people know as well, your latest book, The Selling of the Babe, is uh, available now. And uh, another great story about another historic baseball curse. And uh, people can find it more at glennstout.net. That's Glenn with two N's. Great talking to you here today. Thanks so much for making some time for us. Hey, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Take care. That's uh, journalist, author, uh, Glenn Stout. Uh, as mentioned, uh, his book, The Selling of the Babe, actually a finalist. Uh, the 2016 Casey Award for Best Baseball Book of the Year. We mentioned his book from, I guess it was 2007, I think this came out. It's called The Cubs, The Complete Story of Chicago Cubs Baseball. Maybe maybe needs a, a footnote at it. That, oh, well, yeah, by the way, they went and won the championship in 2016. You know, it's funny, too, and there was a few people have been getting a lot of attention. There was that guy, do you see that guy? And it was his yearbook, his high school yearbook from 1993, where he predicted that uh, the Cubs would be the World Series champions in 2016. Why did he pick 2016? I don't know. Uh, but look at that. And then there was the guy, and everyone was tweeting this last night, a guy in November of 2014 who tweeted, 2016 World Series, Cubs versus Indians, and then the world will end with the score tied in Game 7 in extra innings. <laughs> I think a lot of people were scared last night. Holy cow, this is going to extra innings. Uh, I guess apocalypse is really upon us. Uh, fortunately, it wasn't. Uh, but it did go to extra innings. But it was, yeah, oh my goodness, it was quite something last night. Uh, I tell you what, let's take a quick break here. When I come back, some more thoughts on this. We'll set up the rest of the show for you here today. 403-974-TALK. This is Afternoons on News Talk 770. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.